now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, whenever you're watching, I hope you're doing all right today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Oh, give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Holiday Inn and all of their properties, all of their properties. That's right. If you're going to travel someplace, you got to stay at a Holiday Inn uh, facility, property, whatever. Uh, I personally like the... Uh, Holiday Inn Express and their resorts. Uh, so uh, definitely check it out. And I got some better news about the Holiday Inn properties. You can get a Billy C discount. All you got to do is call our toll-free number, 844-603-0364. 844-603-0364. Or if you like me and can't remember lots of numbers, then uh, just visit our website, billycboxing.com. And click on the Holiday Inn uh, banner. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Turning Stone Resort and Casino and their next boxing event, which is taking place this weekend, Saturday night. It's an HBO event. Saddam Ali is uh, defending his uh, newly acquired title uh, from his last fight. Uh, Get yourself some tickets. Bypass the middleman. Get the best price tickets available by visiting our website, billycboxing.com, and clicking on the fight poster. Now, I had been telling everyone I was going to be ringside for this fight, but uh, some uh, unforeseen changes in my plans uh, will prevent me from being there. But that doesn't mean that you guys shouldn't go. So uh, definitely uh, get yourself some tickets and and, uh, uh, enjoy a a great night of boxing at the Turning Stone. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino from Bondage. The Baddest Man on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now where you're watching or listening to this show. All you got to do is go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told. Coming up a little bit later, we got Alex Propali. And uh, he's going to be presenting uh, this week's Blast from the Past, which... Uh, we getting, we've been getting a lot of requests from you guys, so if you have a request for a blast from the past, just drop me an email, billy at talkinboxing, that's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G, 
www.thegreatmixtapes.com. Uh, this week, an obscure fighter by request, uh, a talented fighter, but virtually unknown. Uh, both Alex and myself had some trouble uh, getting some uh, info on Charles the Stockton Cyclone Turner. So we'll be talking about uh, him. Um, the other uh, thing that uh, you can't forget on uh, uh, today for today is uh, Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard. We'll be stopping by. We'll get his thoughts on uh, Triple G's uh, last uh, fight, victory, etc., plus uh, other topics. Uh, I got some news to talk about. I got some uh, fight results in the heavyweight division that took place in Japan. Yeah, you heard it right. A heavyweight in Japan, yeah. Um, but I want to kick off the show with an update on uh, Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder. A fight that we're all talking about. A fight that I every every time I see somebody that uh, is a sports fan, not even just a boxing fan, a sports fan, they always ask me, "Hey, well, what's going on with that uh, uh, guy from England and that you know lunatic uh, from the U.S.? Uh, are they going to fight?" You know. Um, now we have our uh, U.K. correspondent uh, Johnston, who's uh, actually got uh, a column up on BillyCBoxing.com, so you can check out uh, all his stuff. Uh, he got me. Uh, uh, some updates, some some statements that are going around the UK uh, concerning this fight, and you know some deadlines that have come, uh, some extensions that have been laid down, some plans that may already be in place, uh, and I, I got some quotes and stuff I'm going to read here in a sec. But the bottom line is, it appears like uh, we've been kind of talking about for some time that. It looks like this fight will happen, but it's not going to happen next for both of these guys. And this is all projected. This is this is the latest news. I mean, it could it, they could announce today. They could announce right now while we're on the air that they just signed a fight. It's happening next month. But it looks like the plan so far will be that uh, AJ Anthony Joshua will make his mandatory WBA portion of the collection of belts he has against Alexander Povetkin. And Deontay Wilder will fight uh, Dominic Brazil. And providing they both get by these fights, they will meet at the end of this year or beginning of next year, depending upon uh, how these fights go. Now, my point here is... And some of the things that you're going to hear uh, from the uh, quotes from Eddie Hearn and company uh, is that, uh, you know, they feel, the powers that be feel that if they had this fight next, that it may not top a million pay-per-view buys. But if they wait and each have a fight in between, that they will exceed two million pay- pay-per-view buys, which I don't believe. I don't think that by waiting is going to generate any more, um, you know, interest in this fight. I actually think that it will turn people away. And and here's another thing, and we've been saying this for months. The risk involved for both fighters to have a fight in between um, really is stupid. You know, anything can happen. We keep saying this. We're reiterating it all the time. Anything can happen in the heavyweight division. You got Alexander Povetkin taking on Anthony Joshua, assumed, 
And Povetkin's a power puncher. He could knock out Anthony Joshua. Dominic Brazil is a power puncher, can take a beating. He could knock out Deontay Wilder. Is Are they probable for Wilder and AJ to lose? Probably not, but it's possible. Now, let me ask you this. What would happen if Anthony Joshua or Deontay Wilder loses? How many millions and millions of dollars would these guys lose by playing the footsie game and trying to marinate this fight. Joining me right now uh, from St. Simons, a guy who I've asked the same question to 100,000 times. I pose it to him again. What are these guys thinking? Sal, Rocky, Senecola. Good morning, Sal. Good morning, Bill. You, you, you keep telling me all the right answers, but none of the ones I want to hear. Bill, it's so bad. Let me tell you. I do not understand their reasoning. First of all, to think that they're not going to pull the trigger and make this fight happen now, where they're a little bit shy, they think, of getting a million dollars, I'm sorry, a million people uh, for the pay-per-view, and to think that one fight away, they can net a two million viewship is is ridiculous, first of all, and it's it's a big assumption that will not happen. Number two, as you suggested many, many times, and we've talked about, and we've thrown this back and forth over the net, no matter which way you slice it, dice it, or, or, or look at it, it doesn't make sense. The risk is not worth the reward. Not only could anything happen in the squared circle at any given night, but you know you're looking at injuries. You're looking at you're looking at uh, uh, a perforated eardrum. You're looking at a broken hand. You're looking at a bad cut. You're looking at you're looking at uh, whatever could happen during training. So, you know, why are you going to take the chance of, of possibly risking 25 to $50 million now for the sake of, of, of doing a calculated risk, yes, of uh, fighting a lesser opponent, but the world wants to see. And I think you hit it on the head, too. You know, the world is willing to pay for it and see it right now because this is where it's hot. But to think they're going to brew it and keep it on a stove a little longer and cook it a little bit more, I, I think is a far cry of, of what they should really be doing. And that's what giving the boxing fans what we want now, the World Unification Heavyweight t- Championship title bout, and, and give us the two best or two most known uh, talented and accomplished heavyweight champions right now that they could do without the ridiculous rhetoric and confusion, as I often say, the fluff without the stuff. What do you say? I say that, you know, the risk involved, and if we want to look at this just specifically about the money, would make me, you know, really leery of taking any chances. You know, I mean, let's face it. Anything can happen. Forget about in the rig. What about training? I've seen, you know, in in other in other sports. I mean, these guys, you know, uh, doing a normal training routine that they do all the time and tear an ACL or something like that that can ruin their careers. Uh, Well, you know, it's it's uh, boxes aren't, uh, you know, removed from that type of risk. So, I mean, to prolong it when you have that much money in front of you, um, you know, to prolong it is just ridiculous. It's 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 a mistake. Now, what I could see happening from, a you know, if they want to. You know, I try and milk uh, the fans and, and get as much money out of it as possible, which, you know, I'm not going to criticize. Do the two-fight deal. Have the first fight. And then you kind of have a, a, a safety net by having a fight in between the two 
give the guy who lost the first fight a chance, or chances are it would end up as a draw, but uh, give the guy who lost the first fight a chance to get a W, give the guy who won the first fight a chance to uh, with a stay-busy fight, and then have the rematch. You know, um, that's maybe uh, the approach I would take. It's just ridiculous to uh, to 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 prolong this. Let me get some uh, uh, comments and quotes that my man Johnston hooked us up with. Uh, he says, uh, "Hey guys, uh, this is a recent interview uh, that uh, Barry Hearn said. He said uh, the fight happening next is possible. Uh, the deadline now has passed and set up a fight with Povetkin, but as." Uh, the deadline was extended. There hasn't been an announcement from the WBA or team of Povetkin, uh, so the rumor of the extension was true. Um, as according to uh, uh, AJ, he said this fight is going to happen 95% this year. This year being the hint that had agreed to uh, make the ha uh, fight happen in December. Uh, actually, uh, Anthony Joshua and Eddie Hearn, uh, I think met yesterday afternoon or will be meeting today. And uh, Anthony Joshua, uh, Eddie Hearn said, uh, I have a meeting with Anthony Joshua uh, and it will be taking place before I head to New York. The decision we're making are, are basically numbers. It's a numbers game and has nothing to do with the sport of boxing. It's purely has to do with that. What you're going to get if you fight Povetkin. This is what you're going to get if you fight Miller. This is... Miller, why would he even consider Miller, that, that fat pig? Uh, that's, that's what you get if you fight Wilder. Old. This is what you get if you fight Wilder in America. This is what you get if you fight Wilder in England. Uh, you're the boss. What do you want to do? Um, Deontay Wilder is, uh, you know, concerned with legacy, so uh, he claims it's not about the money. Eddie Hearn went on to say, I'm not worried. Uh, you know, he says, if it were me, I would tell you, this is Eddie Hearn, he said, I would tell you to wait on the Deontay Wilder fight. This is Eddie Hearn's opinion to, to uh, Anthony Joshua. And he says, it's not because I'm worried about Deontay Wilder, but currently, and at this time, you're looking at five to 600,000 pay-per-views in a year. If it was promoted uh, properly, this could net two million or maybe even two and a half million pay-per-views. He says, this is Eddie Hearn. I said to Anthony Joshua, if he had six months to live, I would tell you to go fight Wilder. Take the money and fight Wilder. But if you're saying to me that your plan is to build your legacy, then I'm saying let's capitalize it on the correct way. But it, ultimately, it's his decision. It's his team's decision. I don't box. I make the, the fights. He says, it's a credible way of doing business. If you start letting the fans be the matchmakers, you'll end up uh, being skint. When you talk to Anthony Joshua, I believe he's planning another eight years of fighting all at the top. So if he is and he takes that view, the only thing that can derail him is getting beaten. The fear of getting beaten is what pushes him in the gym every day. The reason our meeting uh, is starting later in the afternoon is so he can fit a gym session in uh, while... Uh, He's got that attitude. I don't have a worry in the world about anybody beating AJ. My worry uh, is just to getting him the maximum amount of money uh, because that's uh, my job. His job is knocking people out. Um, like Johnston, I totally disagree with Barry Hearn on this as much as I respect this man, Sal. I disagree. First of all, I think the numbers are ridiculous to suggest yeah. that he would only get 
five or 600,000 pay-per-views if the fight was held today. And if they put it off a year, that he would get, not only did he suggest one to two million, but he even went as high as saying one to two and a half million, which would say to me, if you do the math, that he's saying hold off one year and we'll get almost two million more buys. I disagree. I think it'll turn people off. And as far as the uh, letting fans do the matchmaking, you know, you got to give the fans what you want. It, it, it's a business that without the fans shelling out the money, you got Ugats, right? Sal, you got Ugats. I mean, you, I mean, got I, got. I, you know, what's the point? Why are they waiting? What's your thoughts after hearing uh, Eddie Hearn trying to justify uh, convincing AJ to hold his horses? I'll tell you what. I, I'm going to say this. I think they're trying to elongate and protect uh, Anthony Joshua. And that's my opinion. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to think that he can get past uh, Deontay Wilder on this level. And you know what? Because, Bill, it does not make any sense whatsoever that they are going to elongate the, 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 the temptation of having these two champions in the ring uh, before the end of the year or, or before the, this year. As you suggested, I think a rematch clause in the contract would be suitable. I think it would be definite. I think it would be the way to go. And maybe having that one little cushion fight in between for each fighter would be, then be justifiable as well. And these guys could make over $50 million each, each in the next next year alone, based on just a three-fight lineup like that. And you know what? I'm sorry. If you're going to risk all that for another $50 million, you, you may not see the other $50 million, And you may not see the $50 million because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. And like I said, there's training injuries. You could break your leg. Yeah, look at me. I, I, I tore a rotator cuff. I got banned from boxing, you know, until I surgically repair it. But the bottom line is you never know. You never, never know what's going to happen. So you should sign, seal, and prepare to deliver what the fans want, what the promoters could capitalize on, and what the fighters could also net a heck of a retirement nest egg where they are right now you have to assume that both of these guys are financially sound even right now but if it becomes a numbers game sal it makes absolutely no sense to to wait you know if they were still building it up i get it that aj's the bigger name uh you know worldwide recognition i get it that that deontay wilder has just recently starting to you know, uh, make some some noise. You know, worldwide in terms of uh, recognition. I get all of that, but the but the desire for this fight is so high, and the sport is on such a rise that you know y you need to make the fight now. I think if you look at a three fight deal, and I don't mean three fights with each other, but I no, mean no. I mean a three fight yeah. package where you say, listen, here's what we do: let's sign the papers, let's have a fight next, we'll fight. Uh, wherever they decide to have the fight, uh, wh whoever wins, uh, it doesn't matter. Um, you have a fight in between. Each guy goes back to his home turf, has a fight in between. And then uh, you have the rematch, a three-fight deal in a sense. And the rematch, providing the first, if the, if the first fight is gr a great fight, the rematch is going to do even better. You know, so, I, I mean, it makes no sense to hold it off. I'm telling you that I believe that it will turn people off. The people that have been on the hook about returning to boxing as a fan will get turned off if this fight doesn't get made uh, again, especially if they put them in 
uh, with any less than stellar opposition. With AJ's case, he's got a mandatory against a good fighter in, in Povetkin. And uh, to be honest with you, Deontay Wilder, I like Wilder uh, Brazil fight. I like the fight. A lot of people think I'm nuts, but I, I got They're a feeling. All along. Uh, but, but you know, the funny thing is, is they're both risky fights. Sal, hold that thought. We got to take a break. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in two minutes. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. Just before we went to break, uh, we were talking about uh, the possibility of the, of course, Deontay Wilder-Anthony Joshua fight. And uh, these guys are trying to drag it out some more. I think, Sal, real quick, just to because I got some other stuff to talk about. I, I think that it's really being counterproductive. I strongly believe that it's going to push people away. I think that we have gained some casual fans back in the sport. Uh, some numbers that I'm going to talk about uh, with Triple G's fight is an indicator there. Uh, and I, I think you got to keep momentum going. You know, it's, it's, it, you can't let us regress. And I know that they're concerned about their own fighters, their own careers, etc. cetera. Uh, but I, I could see how pissed a lot of boxing fans have been over the last decade and they start to see boxing coming back again and then all of a sudden the words i can almost project the words i'm going to start to hear from from fans here we go here we go again same old boxing you know you get a fight already and all the shenanigans i mean it's bad enough that we came off the uh, triple g canelo draw and then all of a sudden you build another circus environment what's your thoughts well, Billy, you, you hit it on the head. I mean, you know, how much will fans endure, you know, when they have uh, the, the the thing that there's that they've been uh, waiting for uh, kept from them, you know, teasing them on and on? You know, it may turn off some fans, may turn away some fans. And just because the logistics will not equal uh, uh, what a fan's anticipation to see an event of this magnitude uh, is going to be all along. So. I think that it's a it's it's a risky, calculated idea, and I don't think it's going to pan out the way that the uh, the big suits uh, think it's going to do so. Nope, couldn't agree with you more. Um, just uh, since we got so much uh, uh, stuff to talk about today, there was a uh, heavyweight fight uh, Monday, which is Tuesday, or I, I don't know. I get all mixed up with the <laughs> ja Japanese do. time uh, difference here, but uh, top. 15 at least ranked heavyweight uh, Kaitaro Fujimoto uh, improved to 19 and 1 with 11 knockouts uh, when he uh, knocked out Aaron Russell at 28 seconds of the eighth round in their fight on Monday and in Monday in Tokyo time. Um, you know, Fujimoto, like I said, improved to 19 and 1. Russell loses for the fifth time in his career. He's now 11 and 5. Uh, we're trying to keep uh, 
uh, people updated uh, on the heavyweight division uh, since uh, it seems to be such a hot uh, division right now. Speaking of being hot, Sal, how about Triple G, Vanis Martiroshian, um, peeking out at uh, almost 14, uh, almost, uh, uh, yeah, 1.4 million viewers, uh, according to uh, Nelson ratings, uh, which uh, put the Triple G Martiroshian uh, fight as the top-rated cable fight so far of 2018. And it's also been the top-rated premium cable fight since 2016. And the last fight that it just beat, the record that it wow. just beat, was Triple G's last fight. So people that say that Triple G's not a draw, what are they talking about? That's, that's big, man. I'll tell you what. What do they have? Three weeks to promote that? <laughs> exactly. Great. Hey, what a great point, Sal. I wasn't even thinking of that. I was, what a great point. Email that to Eddie Hearn. <laughs> I, I, I tell you, what a great point, Sal. You're on. You're dead nuts right on that. You know, the truth of the matter is, is you got to give Triple G the credit for, for yeah. being the draw when they didn't even have three full weeks. What a what a great point. I'm glad to see you're paying attention today, Sal. That's paying good. Paying attention. You yeah. should see. That's good. Pay my mortgage, too. Yeah. <laughs> that's good stuff, man. No, you're right. And, uh, you know, I, that's why. Three my, weeks. That's why my opinion with Triple G is to, you know, don't be so fast to give Canelo a huge payday. Screw no. Canelo. No. Forget about him. Go after uh, somebody else. Like maybe the Charlo brothers. You know, I, they're talking about. Uh, the super uh, welterweight or junior middleweight champion, Charlo, uh, which is Jermel Charlo. Jermel Charlo is the one who campaigns at middleweight and was calling out Daniel Jacobs uh, uh, below uh, Madison Square Garden a, f a month or so ago uh, in a video that uh, went, you know, uh, kind of all over the world on the Internet. And, uh, you know, now he feels he doesn't want to fight Danny Jacobs. He wants to move right to Triple G, claiming Triple G is uh, ducking him. Now when we move to his brother, uh, who's the WBC uh, junior middleweight champion, Jermel Charlo, uh, he uh, is uh, just scheduled to fight Austin Trout in June, June 9th. And they're talking smack. Jamel Charles said, me and my brother talk and talk, and we walk the walk. From this point uh, on in our careers, from this point going forward, we're going full force, and it's going to be nothing but knockouts. I didn't have to go through what Trout had to go through uh, in his last fight against Hurd. I'm the fresher, younger fighter. I don't take anything away from what he's done in his career, but I have my own career and legacy that he's standing in my way. Austin Trout says on June 9th, you can expect – to see my hand raised, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a dog fight. It's going to be a great fight. Uh, blah 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 blah. Like Charlie Brown's teacher would say, wah 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 wah. Yeah. But here's the here's the bottom line, Sal. When will either Charlo brother fight a guy that is a either not you know way beyond uh, you know youth status or 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 prime? Right, let me use the word prime. Uh, status. When are they going to pick a guy that's not way past their prime? And when are they going to pick a guy that's actually the same size? Forget the weight class. The same size. You know, uh, Jermel Charlo mentions Jared Hurd. Why isn't Jared Hurd fighting one of the Charlo brothers? That's a good fight. How come these guys don't fight guys their own size? Why? Well, hey, they want a competitive edge. <laughs> I don't know. That's my point. But uh, I'll tell you what. They're talented brothers. They're talented fighters. And uh, they could be definitely, uh, they are world class. 
and any given night they could probably beat any fighter out there uh it, it, it's just a matter of making them in dance with the right partner and uh, i think the charlo brothers have uh some some things to answer to as far as uh having a mega big fight against a real formidable opponent uh that's in their peak as well uh and hopefully we'll we'll start to see that i mean uh you know these guys it's inevitable bill when you're riding at that speed on that fast track to the championship it's only a matter of time before they whittle down and get you in the ring with the other great fighters in that weight division it's got to happen yeah but the point is is that you get to a certain point and you gotta stay listen people give me a hard time when it's not that i'm expecting knockout drag out fights all the no. time but not all the time but when you pound your chest and say you're the best, and then you're always fighting somebody that all the odds are in your favor. Wait, listen, I asked you point blank if you would have felt, you know, uh, just as satisfied winning someone when you got to call all the shots, uh, right. and you said no. You said yeah. that you would want to walk away from a fight knowing that you gave it your best against a guy who was, you know, equal to you, who gave it his best, and you won. That's more rewarding than in the back of your mind knowing that you're bigger, you're faster, you're stronger, you're younger, you're, uh, you know, a, a harder puncher, you're you're in your hometown, you're you're in the A-side, you got more money. I mean, I, you know, I'm sorry. The, ring, the ring's tailored for you. Exactly, exactly. Um, now, my hang-up with the Charlo brothers is that I'm always looking for 50-50 fights at this stage of their careers. They're at the point right now where they should be fighting what I call a 50-50 fight. But fear not, boys and girls, because there are some 50-50 fights coming our way pretty quickly. Uh, like, how about May 19th in uh, Maryland? Gary Russell Jr. is putting his uh, featherweight title on the line against Jojo Diaz. Now, Gary Russell Jr. is 28-1 and with 17 knockouts, um, taking on Jojo Diaz. To me, this is a 50-50 fight. Jojo Diaz has not fought anybody of the Gary Russell uh, talent level, uh, but he has come through with every test that he has been on. I love this fight. There's another good one a week later. In Eddie Ramirez, only uh, beaten one, 17-1 with 11 knockouts, has taken on former champ Arginius Mendez, who's 24, wins five losses and a draw. This is another 50-50 fight. These are the kind of fights that I want to see when I'm watching television, Sal, I want to see evenly matched fights on TV. All these other let's build up a record fights, they could be done at the club shows. What do you think? Well, I think you're right. I mean, we, we love to see the competitive fights, and we love to see people who are evenly matched. And, yeah, when we have a guy that's coming up and you see him thrown in there with a, a, maybe of a lesser opponent, uh, he's getting that win. But when you're on the world-class level in a contention, uh, in contention for a title shot or a champion, you, you you can't duck anybody. You should be fighting the very best. That's how you climb. That's how you get up the ladder. And that's how you satisfy the fighters and the fans and the, the, the doubters and, and the, the, the ones that are pro in your favor. So, 
you know, you fight anybody or anyone uh, at any place, anytime, you know, with the right negotiations and everything else. It's just that that's the way it should be done. And that's what you and I always talk about the old ways and now the new ways. You know, we do have a couple of good. Now, I, I'm not going to go as far as saying they're 50 50 fights, and we'll talk about it more later in the week. But uh, there are some good fights scheduled for this weekend. Beginning Friday, Devin Haney uh, going up against Mason Renard. I like that fight. I also like. Uh, the of course the the big event this weekend Vasily Lomachenko taking on Jorge Linares um, that's going to be a, a good fight I mean you know Lomachenko gets all the accolades but he's going to be in there uh, you know with a bigger guy in, in Linares so we'll see what happens and then the fight that I was going to be ringside for but unfortunately cannot attend now Saddam Ali against Jamie uh, Mugaya Mugai is a last-minute sub, so to speak. He's, uh, you know, only been uh, announced uh, about two weeks now. But I like that fight. It's not going to be a bad one. So, I mean, we got some good fights. One fight I don't recommend anyone watching is the Tony Harrison against Ishii Smith. Why does Ishii Smith even keep getting fights? I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, it's kind of a joke. but uh, He's got connections. Yeah, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> hey, listen, we got to take a short break. Uh, Sal, we're going to uh, put you on hold for a little bit. Uh, we're scheduled to have uh, Larry Hazard join us, and then uh, we'll do our blast from the past and get Sal back. I got some emails to read. A lot of stuff going on today, so uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be back uh, in about, I don't know, I'm going to take a shot. I'm going to say about two minutes. Billy C will be right back. Hey, fight fans. Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And tell them Billy C sent you. The one, the only, Don King. Makes me feel good, Billy, to have you, the number one show in the country, talking boxing with Billy. So I invite each and every American that's listening to this great show to tune in. This, we want you to be there with Billy and me. Now back to talking boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. Um, joining us right now, Boxing Hall of Famer and New Jersey Boxing Commissioner Larry Hazard. Good morning, Larry. How you doing today, my man? Okay, Billy, I'm doing great. How are you making up? I'm doing good myself, brother. Doing good myself. And uh, I wanted to talk to you about a couple of things. One of the things is something that you and I have discussed uh, uh, in the past. And um, uh, unfortunately, uh, it's, it's, it's our to another topic today before I get into uh, the fight results from last weekend. But, 
you know, some word out of uh, England and uh, Barry Hearn uh, concerning the Anthony Joshua Deontay Wilder fight. Uh, rumor has it that uh, uh, it looks like they are both going to fight a, a fight first. Um, Deontay Wilder taking on Dominic Brazil and uh, uh, AJ uh, doing his mandatory against Povetkin and then hopefully fight each other at the end of this year uh, or early next year. My, my thoughts on this, Larry, are the same as they've always been. I, I think there's too much risk here. I, I really believe when you're talking about the money that could be made and the implications of the fight itself, not only for these guys' you know, personal careers, but for the division and the sport, I would be sitting down and saying, listen, let's do a three-fight deal. Let's make the first fight next. Let's each have a fight in between. It'll give the guy who lost an opportunity to get a W. It'll give the guy who won an opportunity for a stay-busy fight and then have the rematch. The argument is that uh, Team AJ feels that if they do the fight next, that they could only make uh, as much as 600,000 pay-per-views. And if they wait a year, they could get as much as 2 million pay-per-views. I, I disagree with that. What's your thoughts on that line of thinking? Well, you know, sometimes it makes you wonder if they understand the business that we're in. We're in, the, we're in the fight game. Anything can happen in a fight. That's number one. Um, you know, the interest level, there, there are certain factors that, that you have to think about when you are uh, thinking of putting, putting together the so-called ideal match that everybody wants to see. Uh, I think that we all could agree right now that the, the heavyweight fight that most boxing fans really want to see right now is Joshua and Wilder. Okay, so, so the anticipation uh, level for that fight is probably at its maximum level right now. In this game, that's when you have to go for it. You can't um, take chances as if you already have a script that is etched in stone. That if you take another fight in between uh, the two um, major fighters are going to win. Um, there's a chance that Brazil might beat his opponent. There's a chance that Povetkin might beat Joshua. Okay, there's always a chance, especially in a fight and in the heavyweight division. Um, I think that they're taking a serious chance on that, one that I would not take. Um, also, I don't know if, in fact, you can guarantee that type of uh, fan interest over a longer period of time. Uh, in my opinion, it's kind of starting to fizzle right now, you know, because people get, fans get fed up with the crap, with the BS. We know it's all about, um, for lack of a better term, greedy promoters, greedy managers and advisors who seem like they want to suck the public for every single dime they could get. And people, you know, fans get fed up with that attitude. So I think it's a, I think it's ill-advised 
um, I go back to our one of um, of our several uh, discussions on this issue. A deal was put on the table that you and I both agreed was a great deal, and we also felt that uh, Deontay Wilder would be ill-advised uh, if, in fact, they prolonged the situation, and if he did not agree to uh, the package that was presented to him. It made uh, it made sense financially, and uh, I just think that it's a bad it's a bad situation for him. I think he's being ill-advised, and I just don't feel that um, that 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 anyone can guarantee that the fan interest is going to still be at the uh, at the level where they could make that kind of money. I'm I'm just not I'm just not that sure that they can guarantee that. I think it's a, I think it's a bad move overall. You know, Larry, I, I I couldn't agree with you more. As a matter of fact, I, I was saying along the same lines. I mean, you know, Povetkin can, he's a power puncher. I mean, you know, he can upset the apple cart. And 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 I got news for you. I, I might be the only person on the planet that really thinks that Dominic Brazil will give. Deontay Wilder, a, a tough fight. I, I think this kid is underrated, especially for a guy. People forget that he started so late. He was a football player, you know. And, uh, you know, I mean, we all know how uh, those uh, conversion uh, football players end up. But the truth of the matter is, is he can take a, a, a vicious shot and he's got some pop. So both fights, in a sense, are exactly like you said, dangerous. And all it takes is either one of these guys to lose or even get a draw, or even have a really bad performance to devalue the matchup. I don't think the fight is at at a higher demand than it is right now. Right. You know, uh, Deontay Wilder coming off a a, a a knockout win over Luis Ortiz, clearly his toughest opponent, and you know, and and actually after a. a uh, a performance that many people didn't think was great, actually back-to-back -back performances that many people didn't think was great with Anthony Joshua, it gives even more value to the fight because prior to those two uh, lackluster performances by AJ, many people didn't even think that Deontay Wilder had a chance. Now, you know, the tables are turned. You yourself feel that, that Deontay South says the same thing, that they, they feel that Deontay Wilder could win. So I think that they're they're making a mistake, and I couldn't agree with you more that greed is, is getting in the way with, with thinking clearly. And like I've said, do a three-fight deal. Have one in between. Somebody's going to lose the first one. Have a fight in between, and the, 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 the rematch would be worth even more. Uh, it, it may, it's, there's something fishy about why they want to wait. That marination process you know, we all saw what happened with, with Mayweather and, and Pacquiao. You know, very rarely does it really work. Uh, the only advantage these two guys have is that they're much younger than uh, than Pacquiao and Mayweather were. But um, I, I say, I also say that I think it will turn fans that have, that have crossed back into the sport away. This is exactly what they were going to remember that pushed them away to begin with. You're absolutely right. I can't agree with you more. Um, I think that they are going to devalue the situation by prolonging it. Okay, because I don't, I don't, nobody's talking about that fight like they were coming when both of those guys, uh, especially when Wilder came off of that uh, win against Ortiz. 
okay? His his uh his rating to me went up, okay? He turned me over a little bit. And then for Joshua to come back and have such a lackluster um, performance, um, although I gave him, I'm always willing to give a what I consider a good fighter because he is a good fighter. He's not great yet. Uh, neither one of these guys are great fighters, in my opinion. No, they need to fight each other. The winner will become a great fighter, right? Absolutely. Great for this era. Absolutely. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and, 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 what he's, uh, and what they're both doing, they're devaluing their own um, legacies by doing this nonsense. You know, because that the fight itself really does not measure up to some of the anticipated uh, classics that we've been used to uh, in the heavyweight division. I mean, it's good for today's uh, generation, but it doesn't match up at all uh, to uh, Ali Frazier or uh, Holmes, even Holmes Coney, in my opinion. You know, uh, this fight really doesn't even match up to that in terms of anticipation, you know, with the build-up and the promotion etc. Okay, because the bottom line is, you know, building the fight up to its peak uh, anticipation level. And so I think that they're, they're missing it now because they had it. They had it at that point uh, a, a very short time ago when both of these guys came off of their victories, but the victories actually, in a way, increased the anticipation level because people began to say, and, and the conversation began to shift a little bit depending on your mindset. You know, those who were uh, strongly of the belief that Joshua could beat Wilder began to say, oh, wait, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe uh, uh, I might want to change that, including myself. You know, I think Wilder has shown me something here. Now they're getting ready now to... Uh, just diminish that. And, and, nothing's guaranteed. Suppose they both have lackluster luster performances against these guys, okay? Because, you know, even guys that uh, people expect you could beat could make you look bad if they're, you know, fighting awkward. You could just have a halfway uh, off day where nothing's working, even though you might win, but you'll look bad. Suppose they both look bad. That means that Joshua now will be coming off two lackluster performances and Wilder, you know, uh, his worth is going to diminish a little bit if he comes off lackluster. Uh, so now that just takes away from the whole matchup with the fact that uh, fans are not, you know, fans are not stupid. They know this is all about money and greed now. And they begin to lose interest. Yep, yep. Oh, hey. So the reverse is actually going to happen if all of these, if any of these things occur, and the chances of it occurring is is pretty uh, reasonable. I, I, so listen. I think it's, I think they're just being ill-advised. I mean, it's totally, uh, you know, to me, it's totally the, not the way to go. 
I, I agree with you 100%. Hey, we got a, a shout-out, super chat from my man Joel uh, for you, Larry. He, uh, he loves uh, your segment, so he's giving us a, a super chat for that. So I appreciate that from Joel. And, uh, you, you know, you forget that AJ would have been, if he has a bad performance against Povetkin, he would be coming off of three lackluster performances because the fight before – uh, the Joseph Parker fight was Carlos Takami. He, he has trouble with the shorter guys. Let me tell you, Povetkin is not a layup fight for Anthony Joshua. He has serious trouble fighting shorter guys. You know, so, um, you know, and, and I agree with what you said. When the heat was really on, when all anyone was talking about, especially after Deontay Wilder and that bogus, uh, uh, you know, $50 million offer, um, when that came out, that's exactly when they should have signed the fight. Now, think of it this way. Let's say they do a typical, you want to marinate something, you want time to promote it, sign the fight and have it scheduled for November. So you have all this time, and people would be talking about it from now until then. You know, I mean, I, you know, you're right to think that, and I'm, I'm with you, you're right to think that, uh, that you know, by waiting longer, it's going to push people away. I, I, I am, you know, 100% in agreement with that. But um, let's move, uh, so we don't run out of time, let's move to uh, Triple G's performance over this past weekend. Uh, destroyed uh, Vanis Martiroshian uh, in two rounds. I mean, Martiroshian, yes, he had uh, limited time to prepare. Yes, he moved up uh, in weight. But the one thing about Martiroshian was that he always displayed uh, a granite chin. What was your thoughts in this fight? I mean, was it just, uh, hey, you know, we had to watch Triple G take out his frustration on somebody, or did you see anything deeper than that? Well, all of the above, all of the above. I mean, um, Triple G, you know, you destroy what's in front of you, okay? I don't think that Matarosian, uh was, you know, anywhere near uh, the, the type of fighter that could give uh, Triple G, um, you know, any, any level of real competition, okay? He's not in that class, okay, uh, regardless of how much time he would have had to train. Um, but uh, Triple G did not did not discourage or did not let us down. Uh, I expected him to get that guy out of there, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, I was a little surprised that he got him out as early as he did. Yeah. So his stock even, his stock even went up. Yep. You know, see, see when, a guy, when a guy, when a fighter like Triple G, who, who without a doubt, is a fantastic fighter, okay? Um, possibly pound for pound uh, today with several others. He certainly is at the top of my list as pound for pound, okay? Um, that's what you like to see in fighters like that. We know going in, at least fight people that know the game, know going in, hey, this was a last-minute situation, you know, this guy really shouldn't be in there with him. Okay, but, you know, it's it's a fight game. Anything could happen. That's what I always say. But there's still an expectation that we still have for the better guy. And um, the pressure is on that guy to meet those expectations. See, so he is being measured 
no matter who's in there with him. If a guy is of lesser talent and doesn't belong there, then you expect him to get him out of there, okay? No bullshitting around. Get him out of there. And that's what he did. So, um, overall, Triple D, I'm satisfied with the performance because he did what he was supposed to do. But he can't beat his chest over it because the guy really didn't belong there with him. So, you know, his his stock remains the same or it even goes up a little bit, you know, for the um, a, a highly anticipated bout against Alvarez whenever that happens. Um and when it does happen, you know, I expect him to do the same thing this time around. I expect him to leave no doubt uh, in anybody's mind, uh, even stronger than the first time. Okay, and so, you know, I'm, I, I thought it was a good performance. And, um, you know, uh, uh, it, it, it to me, it just makes me um, salivate more for the rematch with uh, Alvarez. I want to see that happen as soon as possible. I uh, just I, I got a, a, a one thing I want to say when Vanis Monteroshian in the post fight uh, news conference was asked, you know, hey, what would you uh, what advice would you give to Canelo if you know when he gets, steps in the ring for the rematch with Triple G and uh, Monteroshian says run, run, <laughs> which I thought was pretty good. But uh, you know, talking about. Um, you know the potential uh, rematch, which I, I personally, I, you know, if I'm if I'm Triple G, what what really gets my goat about this Triple G Canelo fiasco, the rematch, is that Team Canelo, specifically Oscar De La Hoya, who I've always been a fan of, but it, it's hard to these days. Um, you know, suggesting that everybody's being unfair to Canelo, and and, and it's almost like they're making Canelo you know, portrayed as the victim here and, and big, bad triple G, you know, uh, talking nasty in the press, which was the first time he's ever talked negatively about anyone. And, uh, he follows that with calling the outrage from the people about the performance enhancing drug, uh, use of clarambuterol uh, of Canelo, uh, 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 basically, he called it ridiculous. He feels that no one should be as upset as they are. And, you know, I disagree. And, and I, I'm curious to know what your thoughts as, as a commissioner. I mean, you know, I, I know you follow what you say. You know, your your obligation to fighters is to look out for their safety. They're not going to look out for their own safety. And like we've said many, many times, their corners are pretty damn tough for them too. So they're not going to look out for their safety. So guys like you have to be the guy who steps up and makes sure that the fighters who fight each other are safe, meaning fights get stopped in time or et cetera, et cetera. And this falls into that, Larry. A guy that's going to take... A, a, a performance-enhancing drug, whatever they're taking it for, um, should not be looked upon, at least in my opinion, as ridiculous. It should not be looked upon uh, in, in, in any kind of light way. And I, I, I disagreed with the, with the sentence. I know that they came back and said the hair follicle test, this and that. And I've come to find out that for performance-enhancing drugs, hair follicle tests aren't as accurate as I thought. So what's your thoughts on Oscar trying to spin it in one of two ways or both ways? One, that Triple G's the bad guy here. And two, anybody that thinks this 
performance-enhancing drug use was a big deal is ridiculous. What, what's your thoughts? Well, first off, why, why are you surprised that he's trying to spin it? Don't we live in a spin society? You know, he's only following the script of society. It's always spin it. Um, it's not my fault. I didn't do it. It's your fault. It's the other guy's fault. Right. Nobody's, it's nobody's held, else's fault. Exactly. Nobody's held accountable anymore. Yeah. Well, nobody's held accountable. I mean, this is something that extends well beyond boxing. You know, um, I had a promoter, uh, a promotion last week. Okay. The guy gets um, a document that that tells him how much he owes the commission when we show up for the weigh-in, etc. Make a long story short, okay? Everybody that promotes in New Jersey gets that document, tells you right there. So we get there. He doesn't. Ha- he short the money. So okay, okay, no problem. Send it. Okay, he was told to send it in. Now I call him up. He's blaming the deputy, okay, and, and with all this bullshit about, oh, well, that's their stuff. And, and my question to him was, did you receive the document that told you how much you owe? Yes. Case closed. Send the money in or you're going on suspension, okay? Case closed. See, when you allow people to spin this bullshit around, then you lose sight of the real issue. The real issue here is, is that if a fighter or an athlete takes performing-enhancing drugs, he not only is doing harm to himself, but he's also putting himself in a position where he's going to harm the opponent. He has a unfair disadvantage uh, going in, and it's our responsibility to prevent that. So we have to protect him from himself, and we have to protect the other guy. So when people try to spin these situations around, it's all bullshit, okay? And in order for the message to get across, when we catch these guys, we have to discipline them severely, very severely, so that it hurts them financially and it sends a a bigger message to the industry. When we fail to do that, then we are negligent in our duties as the overseers and the gatekeepers of the sport. So that's my feeling on it. And for the promoter to try to spend it, well, that doesn't surprise me because we live, as I say, in a society where it's always the other guy's fault or it's always society's fault. You know, the laws are wrong. It's, it's always that. So, you know, I, that type of stuff that, and I, and I like Oscar. Oscar was a great fighter. Oscar's a great guy, okay? Um, so, I mean, you know, it doesn't surprise me. You see it all the time, not just in boxing, but you see it in everything. So that's the way it is. Yeah, you know, you get pulled over for speeding, and a person will say, it wasn't my fault. My, 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 my speedometer must be wrong. Or, you know, I mean, nobody's held accountable for anything anymore, Larry. It's, uh, it's pretty no. sad. It's pretty sad, but uh, uh, in any event. Um, one last thing, and, and we got to ro- go. David Hay gets knocked out by Tony Bellew again. Uh, you know, I, I was never impressed with David Hay, ever, no. e- even as a cruiserweight. I mean, yes, he accomplished a lot, but, you know, the toughest fight at the time, 
against Christoph Lazarek. He kind of moved up in weight, and his reign at heavyweight, I personally thought he lost to Nikolai Valuev, but the, the kicker for me, no pun intended, was when he fought uh, Klitschko, and, and if you remember, he chased this guy around for, for like, couple of years you know showing up you know Klitschko yeah. you know yeah. Klitschko's at a mall and poof David Hayes shows up you know Klitschko's in his bathroom he opens up get, goes to get in the shower and David Hayes sitting in the shower you know I mean you know crazy stuff and then he then he fights you know telling he's gonna do all this uh, stuff to him and he fights him and he literally runs around the ring then he puts his toe up on the podium and says the reason why I couldn't win is because I broke my little toe you know I mean um you know and, and then he follows with this and 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 he he, he, he gets knocked out twice and they're almost ready to give an excuse that he hurt his leg. Is this the final end for this guy? I mean, what do you think? Well, it should be. He should go somewhere and sit down now. You know, he, you know, like you say, he had it. He went through his Shannon Briggs act early on the first time. Okay, and you saw what happened. And so here we go again. So, uh, I mean, who, who wants to see David Hay fight? Not me. You know, he talks a good game, and that's it. He should go somewhere and hang up his gloves and kiss the sport goodbye now. That's it. I think he I think he kind of did already. It's just that uh, people over in England keep paying to see this guy. I don't get it. I don't get it. But uh, anyway, hey, listen, Larry, enjoy the fights this weekend. I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about uh, next week. I think Lomachenko and Jorge Linares, I mean, we all know Lomachenko is, is, a, is a superstar. And, you know, he's one of the top guys in the sport. Linares is going to be a test for him, I think. You know, he's got speed. He's bigger. Um, I'm really looking forward to this fight. Well, if he talk, if he fights as good as he talk, he's talking, uh, it should be a good fight. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it also. All right, my man. Well, listen, you have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay, Billy. You too. All right, take care. That's uh, Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard. And uh, I, a, a word of advice to anyone that uh, is a fighter or involved with the sport as a promoter or, or a, a matchmaker or a manager, if you plan on going to New Jersey and fighting under, under the guide of uh, Larry Hazard, you better make sure you know the rules because uh, you're not going to get any slides with that guy. That's for sure. And rightfully so. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, this week's Blast from the Past, Charles the Stockton Cyclone Turner. Who's he? I don't know. I got to wait for uh, Alex Papali to tell me. We'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. It's talking Boxing with Billy C. Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And it's that time again. That's right. It's time for the Blast from the Past. And this week's Blast from the Past is being brought to us by uh, KOFantasyBoxing.com. 
Check it out, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Sign up today. And it's also being brought to us in part by the Title Bout Championship Computer Game. Visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the Title Bout Championship Computer Game banner and download your copy today. Or get one of the trivia questions, right, and you'll get a free copy. But uh, uh, do that today. Now, this week's Blast from the Past, which was a request, and don't forget, if you have a request, just drop me an email, billy at talking boxing. Let me spell it for you. T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. Today features a, a, a fighter. Uh, he's not in the Hall of Fame. Wasn't even a world champion. Oh, wait. He might have been. Huh. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but a very interesting cat. And his brother uh, used to fight as well. Uh, Charles the Stockton Cyclone Turner is who we're talking about today. And who's going to tell us all about this guy? Because I certainly don't know a thing about him. Uh, is my man, Alex Propali. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Billy C. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good today. Pretty good. Uh, uh, the Stockton Cyclone. I know. Uh, do we have enough time to talk about all the stuff that you've uncovered about this guy or what? I think so. I think we got a good blast. I, I just want to say a big thank you to... Um, Dan Cuoco and everybody at uh, iBro because, um, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I'm a stubborn guy and um, I never asked for help. And I asked for help on this guy because when you sent me him, I was like, who is he? And I looked him <laughs> up and all I found in a couple of uh, searches was uh, like two links and they both were box rec uh, and the one cyber boxing zone. And um, but then uh, iBro hooked me up and uh, Henry Haskup. Uh, sent me a, an obituary. Um, you know, the the one thing I, 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 I'm assuming here, uh, because, <clears throat> you know, when I uh, got my uh, data on him as well, I see that, you know, he had 30 fights, uh, 30 total fights. But that was in the gloved era. Didn't he also fight in the bare-knuckle time? That's a good question. I... Um, there seems to be a discrepancy uh, of when his career started. Uh, BoxRec uh, claims it's um, with this uh, McPherson fight, which does seem to be, uh, at least I do have um, a, a report, a newspaper report of that fight. Um, he sh listed it 1889. However, um, Cyber Boxing Zone says his career started earlier than that, more like 1884. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Well, uh, but they do list, so it could be that those fights in 1884 were all um, bare knuckle, and then maybe the first 1889 bout was um, gloved. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but they, Cyber Boxing Zone lists... Uh, uh, six fights um, in 1884, and it's unclear whether or not those were bare knuckle days. At least to me, I, I I don't know. Well, one one of the things that was clear to me was that this guy fought a lot of fight to the finishes because when you look Lots at yeah, when you look at when you when I, I was like wondering if I I needed to put on reading glasses because like for example, you know uh, his fight in 1889 against Billy Hennessy, he won by knockout in the. 45th round <laughs> yeah. you know uh you know 45 now we're talking about the gloved era so we're talking about legit three minute rounds with a m minute rest in between and we're talking about a knockout 
in the 45th round. I mean, uh, I don't even know if I could sit and watch a fight that long, you know. Uh, you know, he's got several others in the, in the 20s. Uh, and, and, and you know, when the way they, uh, you know, describe it, they'll have, you know, when the knockout took place and then what the scheduled round was. And a majority of his fights, Alex, show, you know, uh, knockout round 22 slash who knows how long the fight was, you know. It's like fight to a finish is what I'm assuming, right? Yeah, it seems like it. And he definitely had scheduled 25 rounders, scheduled finish fights. Um, he has one fight that went 17 rounds. Um, he, the uh, Yeah, and think about that. If, uh, if, if it started as late as they did the... Saturday night on HBO, uh, you'd be up till three in the morning to watch a fight <laughs> be, like that. You'd be up till Monday morning. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, but uh, uh, he uh, he was born in Stockton, California. I mean, uh, you know, that's why they call him a Stockton Cyclone, right? Exactly. Yeah, I'll uh, do the the get, get back into our form here. There are a couple of questions about him. Uh, Charlie Turner, uh, the S Stockton Cyclone, was born. This is a little again discrepant. January 1st, 1862 in Stockton, California. Couldn't find his height. Now, um, now, wait a minute. I just want to interrupt you for a sec. A lot of times when they don't have the exact birth date, they'll put January 1st. I don't yeah. know why they do that. Cause, I wondered if that was the case. Yeah, because yeah, the, there, were, uh, there were some others. Uh, where, where did I uh, had a note that um, some people say that he was born on August 13th. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, he died on August 13th. But uh, some other, I did. I thought I had a, a date. But go ahead, go on. I, I didn't mean to. One thing we know, and maybe this is how they backdated it, is that in the 1900 census, the U.S. Census, he was 40 years old, and his profession was listed as pugilist. So perhaps they took, you know, 1900 minus 40. Well, that doesn't equal 1862, does it? Um, <laughs> I don't know. It depends what math class you attended. <laughs> right. It's, uh, so it would be 1860. So it, it could be that that date's wrong. Um, okay. So, but he fought between like 147 to 156, 157. Of course, uh, back then, um, that's basically a middleweight. If you're fighting over 147, you know, welterweight, middleweight. Uh, today, he would be straddling three weight classes because he certainly would have. Um, you know, nowadays it would be likely he would have fought for in three divisions rather than just two. Um, the uh, so that I do have that fight report of the William McPherson fight, um, and that was January eleventh, eighteen ninety. He lost a lively forty-three rounder. Um, McPherson was in splendid shape, but the Stockton Cyclone, uh, this is interesting, Bill, uh, he wasn't fully recovered. Some of his cuts were only partially healed from a beating he had taken in a saloon on Christmas Eve. Um, and there was parts of the fight where the crowd was booing and nothing was happening. At, at one point, actually, the referee had to urge them to fight. And, um, you know, you kind of got to figure 10 rounds, you got to kind of blow off maybe and you're fighting a 43 rounder. Um, but uh, they did, you know, it did pick up the pace. And by the end, in the 43rd round, 30, 43rd round, both men were so weak they could barely hold up their hands and the fight was declared a draw. Uh, it sounded like a bloodbath. I guess Turner was bleeding badly from those cuts. His face, shoulders were all covered with blood, but um, McPherson was in good shape, um, other than, of course, being exhausted.
Uh, then in April 16th, I have uh, a listed uh, arrest report um, or sentence rather in a um, April 16th, 1890, he was arrested and fined for disturbing the peace of an old woman. Um, not sure what that means, if that's um, a harassment, uh, like a pled down harassment charge. I'm not sure. Disturbing the peace of a person. I can see, you know, usually nowadays it's if you if you're causing a disturbance in a in a an establishment or something. But he, um, he I, I, I I saw also a arrest record in May of 1893 uh, for uh, robbing, uh, you know, some cash and and a, and, and a gold watch, etc. Uh, was arrested. And had to make bail. He was convicted uh, of that and uh, did a year for it. Yeah. Um, and that was be 1894. Oh, another thing that I stumbled across, which doesn't make any sense, because according to the box rec, now, now just, you know, box rec is not official when it comes to, you know, fighters that are fighting today. Uh, if, if you're a promoter and you're going to put on a fight, uh, you know, you use fight facts, but... BoxRec, you know, one thing I admire about BoxRec is they usually don't put a fight on BoxRec unless they can verify that the fight actually happened. But something that's kind of a little mix-up for me is that under BoxRec, um, they have listed that he fought uh, some guys. First of all, they have him weighing about 190 pounds, which defeats the purpose of the divisions he fought in. And some fights that they mention is he fight a 49-round draw with Billy McRusin, uh, you know, beat guys that, you know, known fighters like Petey Brown, Billy Graham, Jack McCauley. I can't find those fights on the box rec, though. It's listed under, the, uh, under you know, some big wins and losses. Uh, but uh, uh, and, and Jack McCauley, his he, claim that he fought him not once but twice. I don't see either of those fights on box rec. Yeah, I um, it does. It is strange, like what's there and what's not there. Um, I don't know. Um, and and yeah. at least one thing we do know that uh, Nate Fleischer from uh, the Ring Magazine actually uh, talked about him, uh, you know, during his life and said he was a great two-fisted fighter, as fearless as they come, and he won over ninety percent of the fights that he fought. And that doesn't match the box wreck either, huh? That's interesting. Yeah, because one of the things uh, that I looked at was, um, oh, God, let me see if I can find the, um, here I go with shuffling papers. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a book that I actually bought on Kindle uh, from the recommendation of um, Hazel uh, on iBro. Um, it's uh, it's actually a pretty good book. What I was reading, it's called I, I Fight for a Living, and I actually, um, you know, I was intending to save my uh, boxing book budget for uh, uh, Canastota, but um, when I started looking at, into this book last night, I, I, I bought it on Kindle, and um, it's very interesting. It uh, talks about how boxing, especially you know, in that San Francisco area era um, area on the West Coast, there was. Um, uh, got really popular and there was a lot of fighting clubs and one of the things that I saw that was kind of interesting um, and this has to do with his brother um, Joe Croft who was well known in the sporting circle 
uh, he was, uh, I guess, a German. And uh, some of the other fighters um, were messing with him. And they had kind of, um, they mentioned in some of the banter that uh, one of them had purchased a tin gun as a gift for Charlie Turner's son. But I wonder if that was actually his brother because he was much older than his brother. He's uh, at least 16 years older than his brother. So at the time, this was April 21st, 1890, I wonder if his brother, uh, Ruth Turner, hung around with him and maybe people thought he was his son. Um, but, but I don't see ever that he was ever married or had children uh, later in life. Uh, but yeah, some of those, some of the fights that I think he had uh, were sounded like real thrillers um, against, and this guy's got a great name against the Black Pearl Harris Martin. Uh, they had a fight um, at a sporting club, um, and these guys made good money at the time. And this, this, uh, what I was saying that uh, the book that I um, was that I purchased, I fight for a living. They referred to Charlie Turner as a second tier black fighter of the age. Um, so yeah, that is a little, I mean, from what you were reading, uh, the Nat, Nat Fletcher comments make it sound like he was, um, you know, for him to have actually won 90% of his bites, bouts are deserving of a decision that suggests um, he thought he was even better than that. You know, you mentioned Harris Martin, the Black Pearl. Um, you know, we, we complain today that we have so many, uh, uh, titles and and you know who's the real champ and everything else well during this era they actually and this this is one of the worst parts of 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 our sport you know they they you know the black fighters fought for the colored world titles they wouldn't let them fight for for you know uh, regular world titles and you know we complain about so many titles well harris martin who was the black pearl uh, you know, declared that he was the colored world middleweight champion after he beat black Frank Taylor and uh, subsequently fought Charles Turner. Charles Turner won the fight. Uh, you know, it went, uh, it went uh, a pretty long way. It went uh, 19 rounds for, um, you know, he won by knockout. It was a 19-round uh, fight that uh, was scheduled to a fight to the finish. And, uh, at the end of the fight, Charles Turner thought he was now the new uh, colored uh, world middleweight champion. And then it turned out that um, the Black Pearl really wasn't the champion, that he went on telling people he was the champion. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, you it, here we have all these belts. And back then you had to worry about if the guy really was the champion, because during this era, you would claim to be the champ and then people would have to dethrone you. So there, it wasn't really followed as as securely as you would think yeah i think the other thing that we've talked about i think in with doing other guys from around this time or or soon after um that depending on where you were and uh what club uh because that's one of the things that was very popular at this time were uh white owned athletic clubs and some of them allowed uh you know uh a black fighter to fight a white fighter. Some places didn't. Um, and like we've talked about when we did um, uh, John L. Sullivan, at some place, a lot of places, not only was a black fighter versus a white fighter illegal, but boxing at all was illegal. 
Um, and there was one fight where it seems as if um, Turner may have killed his white opponent. Um, and that was a crazy one because the headline was like, it was a tame affair, but the guy he fought, Jess Clark, died. Uh, it seemed, well, that's it's hard to verify, but the article said he is not expected to live, and the police are actually looking for Charlie Turner. Uh, I don't know what ended up happening happening with that, but um, that yeah, that is listed in box record. It's April first, eighteen ninety six. Um, but yeah, that was one of the things that this "I Fight for a Living" book does a really good job talking about is that um, the sporting clubs, you know, they would have their own champions. Now, this fight against Harris Martin that was at one of those sporting clubs, um, this sounds. I mean, because got a hold of a um, blow by blow. And uh, this was sound like a 154 pound classic. They both weighed that, so it would have been. You could almost think of it as a title fight uh, nowadays. You could put this in there from the sound of it with um, uh, Trinidad uh, uh, versus Vargas. Um, if I could just read the last round, uh, in 19th round, Turner swung his right and ducked, and the pearl missed a beautiful opportunity to uppercut him. He made up for it a second later by smashing Turner in the nose. Suddenly, Turner swung his right with terrific force. It landed on the Pearl's jaw, and the fight was over. He dropped like a log to the floor and lay motionless as he was counted out. He raised his head slightly and then sank back. He was carried to his corner and there revived by his seconds. So it just sounds very dramatic. That's one of the things that... Uh, that uh, the I Fight for a Living book talks about, that one of the things that definitely happened that changed there in the West Coast that made boxing popular and gloved boxing um, with Marquia Queensberry rules, which were kind of new at this time, was the the white middle class embraced it as this um, athletic aesthetic. Uh, and that's one of the things that I think is true today. That's why I like boxing so much more than MMA. To me, boxing is beautiful. Uh, yes, it's off. It's it has awful uh, possibilities and it's uh, brutal. But there's a poetry in motion to it. Um, there, there's a beauty in that. And MMA, because of the styles, the way it clashes, it always ends up to me. Uh, there's no aesthetic there. But at this time, it seemed that those the white middle class embraced boxing. So these clubs were very popular. Uh, a guy like Char Charlie Turner made really good money uh, for the age, which is hard to believe. Yeah, he made a thousand bucks in 1892 when he fought the Black Pearl. So, uh, you know, uh, big money back then. That's for sure. But uh, he did fight young Peter Jackson, who I believe is a Hall of Famer. I uh, fought him a couple of times, and like I said, I, I you know I uh, I have uh, discrepancies with uh, who he fought, but he 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 had a brother too, uh, and I don't mean to jump the ship, but I want to you know we're running out of time. He had a brother yep, no like problem. you mentioned, a Rufy Turner, short for Rufus, uh, who had substantially more fights. He was uh, sixty-two wins, forty-two by knockout, with twenty-two losses and twenty-one draws. Um, you know, he fought Joe Gans. His brother fought Joe Gans a couple of times. And also Kid Williams, Sam Bolin, uh, Dave Holly, uh, you know, some more commonly known names. Uh, but Charlie Turner died fairly young, 51 years old. I don't know what he died of. Do you? 
uh, just said uh, after an illness of several weeks uh, at the home of his uh, dear old ma, and like you said, Rufy Turner was at his bedside. Um, there was a time, and this is probably a good trivia question. Uh, he, the two brothers, fought on the same card, um, and that was um, when uh, Charlie fought Jimmy Lawler. Rup- uh, or no, I'm sorry, Roof Roof Turner fought Jimmy Lawler on the undercard of. Um, uh, Turner's destruction at the hands of young Peter Jackson. Uh, at that time, uh, one of the things the Record Union of Sacramento said was that uh, Tur- they referred to T- Turner as once a clever p- pugilist, but now stale. So his best days were uh, past him. The only thing I have that he did after boxing was that he did train uh, Rufy uh, at times, or Roof Turner. Sometimes I see it with an eye, sometimes I see it without. Uh, Rufy, of course. I don't know if Rufy's existed back then, um, <laughs> but uh, and one time I saw it as Rube Turner. So that's that's the things that happens um, when you uh, research some of these old guys. Whoa, that, whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute. They didn't have spell check. Yeah, or maybe they did and they changed it to Rube. <laughs> oh, I see, I see, I see. Right, <laughs> didn't double, didn't them. didn't double check it. That's that's for sure. But uh, how did uh, the Stockton Cyclone do in uh, title bout? You know, he did very uh, well considering, um, you know, uh, he, he was pretty obscure. I put him in, again, because I think he would straddle three divisions if he existed today. Uh, I put him in against um, the top guys at the Transnational Boxing Rankings Board. Um, the number one guy in the world right now at welterweight is Mr. Errol Spence Jr. At 154, it's Jarrett Hurd. And at 160, it's uh, the monster we saw this week- weekend, uh, Gennady Golovkin. Um, against Spence, the first time they fought, Spence, Spence wins a unanimous decision, 114 to 112 twice, one score of 115-112. Spence had Turner down in the 11th. Uh, when they fight 100 times... Spence does really well. Turner only wins nine. Um, He loses 89. They have two draws. He scored eight KOs in his nine wins. Spence scored 70 knockouts. Um, Against Jarrett Hurd, the first time they fight, Charlie Turner wins by uh, knockout at 39 seconds of round number nine. Hurd put Turner down in the fifth and the third. But uh, no, the third was even on all three cards, but Hurd was on head, head on points when the end came. Um, when they fight a hundred times, Hurd gets the better of it, but not by as much. Uh, Turner wins 37, loses 57, draws six, scores 18 knockouts in his 57 wins. Uh, Jarrett Hurd had 26 KOs. And finally against Triple G, the first time they fight, Turner wins by KO at 119 of round number 10 in what sounds like a hell of a fight. Uh, Turner had Golovkin down four times, and G, uh, Triple G put Turner down in the in the third. Um, yeah, Triple G was down once in the uh, uh, seventh and eighth. Uh, well, I don't know, whatever. Four, you know, you know what I said there. Four times total. Uh, when they fight a hundred times, uh, Turner wins forty three. Loses 55, draws two. He scores 27 knockouts. Of the 55 victories, 48 were scored by KO uh, for Triple G. 
Yeah, it seemed like uh, he would either win by knockout or lose by knockout, huh? Um, yeah, a lot of times, Drew. Yeah, well, you know, I I, I uh, wish I remember who requested uh, him, and I don't, but I thank you, whoever did, because... I uh, do too, yeah, yeah that's really, it's cool. You know, and especially, you know, for a guy that... A lot of times for some of these older fighters, you know, from years gone by, a, a lot of times both Alex and myself have the luxury of, you know, their Hall of Famer, their world champion. There's, there's, there's data on them. And uh, the Stockton Cyclone, uh, not so much, you know. But uh, you did a great job, I, I tell you. I, I, uh, I was saying to myself, geez, you know, maybe I should, you know, especially after I got your response. Who? <laughs> when, I, Who? when I first heard I was like, Who? I know. That's why I very rarely send you the link, right? I said, I better send him the link this time, you know? But, but, uh, uh, but anyway. That great. And really big thanks to Ibro. They really hooked us up. Yeah. I, I'm cur- I'm just, you know, my biggest confusion is, uh, you know, all these fights against these big, big names that I can't find, you know, the Jack McGauley's and the Billy Graham's and, you know, uh, the the William Johnson fights. I mean, uh, they're not on his uh, uh, box rec, but uh, nonetheless. It's interesting. It seemed he did fight Bill, uh, Bobby Dobbs, who was another great black fighter of the day, but a bigger guy. So he did punch up uh, at some of um, in his. So he must have been a pretty hard hitter. Yeah, well, the Bobby Dobbs fight was uh, an 11-round draw. 11 rounds. What's up with that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I they decided. I, I well, guess they, what, you can't go 33. No, listen, I mean, I, they mustn't have trained for that one. But, you know, uh, the funny thing is they say, okay, listen, you know, we want to avoid draws, so let's do an 11-round fight. There's no right, way. Right. There's no way that we could get a draw out of 11 rounds, right? Wrong. Right. I guess uh, maybe Adelie Bird was uh, one of the uh, judges. <laughs> Uh, but uh, anyway, great job as usual, Alex. Uh, oh yeah, Billy. Singh, I did want to show you my friend. Oh here. yeah, yeah. You know when you when you uh, when you this. sent me that, I, I you know that whole trip that we took yeah. together popped in my in my uh, in my head. You know, uh, in case uh, we told the story on air, but I'll say it real quick. I know we're uh, over here, but uh, Alex and I were traveling back from uh, uh, Florida, and uh, we pulled over to a place to get uh, fuel. And uh, now, first of all, let me say, Alex is really into reptiles, all right? I mean, you know, this guy uh, loves them, right? So, uh, so we pull into this gas station, and I'm getting gas, and uh, you know, he's standing out, stretching his legs, and, and Alex looks and totally, totally serious. He says, "Oh my God, look, uh, gator heads!" Right? He says, "Gator heads," and I said, uh, "Yeah." And uh, or what did it say? Gator heads or gate? Or, or did it say gators? Yeah, it said gator heads. Yeah, ga- so, yeah. So, so I thought it was right. Go ahead. Yeah. So 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 he's going. So Alex says gator heads. Oh, we must be, we must be near uh, the Florida Gators uh, uh, there. I said yeah. He says what what what's up with that? I said go ahead, go on in, go on in there, check it out, right? And because uh, I was you know at the pub and stuff, and the look on Alex's face when he came back, he's going, it was a Gatorhead, he's going, you know. I was and, a guy. Yeah. <laughs> All shapes and sizes. Yeah, I was like, uh, what? Yeah, I, I said I could have told you, but I really wanted you to go experience it yourself. Capitated gators. Uh, but yeah, a friend of mine just went to Florida, and I told him that story, and of course, he brought one back. Yeah, <laughs> that's great stuff. Alex, great job as usual. Our blast from the today, Charles, uh, the Stockton Cyclone Turner. Uh, 
According to the records I'm going to go by, he had uh, 16 wins, 14 by knockout, uh, eight losses in which seven came by knockout, uh, six draws, uh, 331 rounds uh, for uh, for 30 fights, 331 rounds. I, I guess that would back up, you know, going 40 rounds at three minutes a round. But uh, uh, Charles Turner, our uh, blast from the past, great job again, Alex. And we look forward to you uh, uh, next time, my man. Good to see you. Thanks very much. All right. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I got, uh, what's his name joining us? Oh, oh, that's right. Sal, don't go nowhere. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, back with us today is my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And before we get going here, I just want to give a special thanks to uh, my man, Johnston. Just gave us a uh, super chat. And he not only gave us a super chat, he gave us some uh, updated news on the World Boxing Super Series. Uh, Chris Eubank Jr. Uh, will be the first choice to replace George Groves if it's proven that George Groves is unfit to continue for this uh, uh, World Boxing Super Series. If you can recall, both of these uh, uh, finals uh, have been postponed. And Groves had that shoulder injury. Uh, that uh, they made it seem like it wasn't that bad. So I guess it's uh, a little worse than uh, than they thought, Sal. Well, I hope uh, Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua are listening to this and uh, can, can realize that, you know, there are things that can happen that can derail any fight. So, uh, yeah, it's a shame. And I sure wish him a speedy recovery and hopefully he'll get back on the horse again real soon. Um. We got uh, a couple of emails I want to read. Now, I got several of them. So if I don't get to your email today, we will get to the, uh, the, the rest of them tomorrow. We'll add them to tomorrow's list. Um, but uh, uh, first and foremost, we're going to go with uh, Jesse. He says, hey, guys, uh, Triple G did what he needed to do uh, and impressed. Uh, but Vanis is not a middleweight. Triple G must face Charlo, Billy Joe, Jacobs, Andre, Sergi, Devinchenko next. I, you know what my thought on, on this, and no disrespect to Jesse, Sal, but Triple G doesn't have to fight anybody. This is not a guy that has to prove himself. He just tied Bernard Hopkins' record for the most successful uh uh, world title defenses at middleweight. He's undefeated. He was robbed in the Canelo fight. Uh, Charlo has not doesn't deserve a fight with him. I want to see Charlo fight a real fighter. How about uh, Charlo taking on Daniel Jacobs? As far as far as uh, Sergey Devorenchenko, come on, man. You know that was a mandatory that the IBF was going to throw at Triple G. And Sergey Devorenchenko, I know he's got an extensive amateur career. So does Triple G. And Devorenchenko doesn't even have twenty pro fights. Nah, I'm sorry. I think Triple G has earned his position in boxing in the middleweight division to pick who he wants to fight next. And, of course, he's not going to be a Charlo brother and pick some uh, you know less than stellar opponent. It's going to be a guy like Billy Joe Saunders, uh, a rematch with Daniel Jacobs, or 
uh, Canelo Alvarez. What's your thoughts on that uh, comment from Jesse Sal? Well, in all due respect to Jesse, I, I, I could see where he's coming from. But like I told you, Billy, the other day, you know, when you're on the top of your game and you're on your you're king of the mountain, people are going to always look to disprove or to discredit or to dismantle uh, by either uh, words, theories, uh, hypothesis, whatever it might be. The bottom line is this. Triple G has done a lot for the middleweight division and for boxing. And he has not ducked anybody. He is the best out there in the middleweight division, says his belts and says his performance in the ring. You know, they, they knock him also because he wasn't so Superman stellar against a Kell Brook or, or Anthony J- uh, Jacobs, Daniel Jacobs. And, you know, guess what, guys? Those are two top middleweights that are on top of their game, world class, and they were not going to be a run-over, push-over kind of fight, and that's not what you expected to see. So to know that, you know, Triple G, well, he just cracked one orbital bone, but, you know, he set Kel Brook back with that, and Daniel Jacobs, I'll tell you what, it was a great fight, but but Triple G did come out the victor. Well, wait, wait, th- remember, remember what the Jacobs fight, Sal. First of all, he dropped Jacobs, and second of all, Jacobs. Jacobs didn't get on the scale. Remember how big he was? He weighed. I he, know he was yeah, huge. Yeah. So I, I mean, I mean, come on. You know, I, I don't know. I, I think this is a little unfair, Jesse. Well, you know, and, and like I said, in all due respect to Jesse, and I understand because, because like, like I said, you're gonna, you're gonna look at what might be out there that you could bite on to, to, to make a case and, and stuff. But, you know, guys, I'm gonna tell you, I, it's like I told you, Billy, the other day. People are not going to be happy until they discredit, dismantle, or lower Triple G's status in some way, shape, or form. And the bottom line is this guy's given a lot to the sport of boxing. He's given a lot to the middleweight division. And I'm a Triple G fan. And, you know, I'm not saying he's going to remain unbeaten forever because nobody really can. Unless you retire like Rocky Marciano, 49-0, 43-KOs. That's the heavyweight division, by the way. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's... It's a game of boxing. It's a rough game. It's a tough game. It's not for those that want to just sit back and and, uh, and just be a casual observer. Uh, you know, it's 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 a tough, tough game. And to know and to say, and you could be a casual observer. I didn't mean anything disrespectful there either. But the bottom line is, you know, to draw an opinion, to say something, you've got to understand the whole big picture of the sport of boxing. And uh, Triple G, like I said, for him, because he didn't look Superman stellar against uh, uh, Jacobs or Brooke, you know, I, hey, I, I he fought two world-class world beaters, and he did win. So I give him a pass on that, and, you know, he did what he had to do against Merosian, and he did it well. And the bottom line is, should he have done anything less? No, he shouldn't. So the next opponent he fights you know, I hope it is Canelo Alvarez for a lot of the reasons I heard Larry Hazard say. It's just got to be justifiable. And I, like I said, more than ever, I want to see that nasty streak in Triple G that he displayed the other night. And I want to see him uh, fight angry but controlled. And I want to see him really just give it to Canelo Alvarez. And then we'll see what the people are going to say after that. 
Jesse goes on to say, Ryan Garcia didn't impress me, even though he wobbled Valise a couple of times. He needs much work, like moving back, like he's moving back too much. Uh, he exchanges, he bends his knees. He needs to bend his knees. He needs to have more head movement, more jabbing, more body work, especially working against pressure. He'd like to see him fight Ryan Kilzaweski, Matt Remillard, Rod Salika uh, would be good opponents and would build experience. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I I I agree, uh, I, I agree with, with those matchups. You know, we're talking about a different fighter than Triple G. Triple G doesn't have to prove anything. Ryan Garcia is on his way up. Yes. He says, I would. I think Spike O'Sullivan would be a good matchup with Levin Kaitrov, Gabe Rosado, Luis Arias, uh, Majika Solinsky, or Dimitris Andrade, or even Sergio Deverenchenko. There'd be action-packed fights. He brings the fight. Uh, he said, would you accept uh, Spike against Triple G? Triple G doesn't have to fight a Spike uh, O'Sullivan. Spike O'Sullivan against any of the other uh, names. I'd, I'd like to see him against Zelensky. I think Zelensky deserves another shot uh, for a big fight. Uh, again, Triple G, in my opinion, he's got one of three fights that, I, you know, and then I would really call it a day. Uh, I'd like to see either, like Sal said, the, the rematch with uh, Canelo. Uh, I personally don't even want to see him fight that fight. I, I'd rather see him fight Billy Joe Saunders and then walk away. Um, Daniel Jacobs deserves a rematch. And, you know, if, if anything, beat the snot out of uh, one of the Charlo brothers. That's all. But, uh, hey, listen, uh, I got several other emails uh, that we'll talk about tomorrow. And I got uh, a specific one that backs up some stuff that I had said several times, but uh, in recent times about, I hate to say it, but about Floyd Mayweather. And I'm constantly saying that Floyd Mayweather should focus on his promotional company, but I've also said that I feel that one of Floyd's problems with being a successful promoter is the fact that his ego uh, is too big and that he doesn't want to get a fighter that you know could achieve anything close to what he's achieved and you know two prominent examples uh, are adrian broner and uh, javante davis both having some trouble after they get under the so-called wing of uh, of floyd mayweather now a guy that realized that early on who still is under mayweather promotions banner uh, was badeau jack Badeau Jack seems to have distanced himself from Floyd Mayweather and look at the turnaround in his career. I'm just saying, I got some stuff to talk about. I got some new opinions and feelings from Javante Davis about that very interest, about that very issue, and uh, some comments, of course, from my man Mitch. So make sure you tune into tomorrow's show for that. Our trivia question. It's a tough one, but I got a hint because one of our wrong answers from my man coach is actually going to be my hint today. The question is, um, what do Ted Kid Lewis, Dave Shade, and Young Stribling all have in common? If you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, that's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G uh, dot com. You'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. The same uh, game that Alex just used for our blast from the past. Uh, so if you're the first one to email me, you'll win that. So I'm going to read the question one more time, and then I'm going to give you the hint. All right. What do Ted Kid Lewis, Dave Shade, and Young Stribling all have in common? Here's the hint. 
and I want to thank Coach for his wrong answer, but this is a good hint, all right? And it's not the answer, but it is a true statement about, uh, about these three. Uh, all of these fighters um, have had over 200 fights each throughout their careers. All of these fighters uh, have had 200, uh, over 200 fights each in their careers uh, but it's not the answer that I'm looking for. So, so the reason why it's a hint is take a look at some of the other things that these three guys have in common. If you get the right answer and you're the first one to email me, Billy at Talking Boxing, that's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, you'll win a copy of the Title Bout Championship Computer Game. Good luck to everyone on that one. What's up, Sal, real quick? Okay, I... I- I think I think I know. They either all from the state of Georgia, or they all uh, they all stayed at Holiday Inn Express. I think they may have all stayed at Holiday Inn Express, <laughs> and only one of them I think is from Georgia. But uh, anyway, good try. At least I thought I thought you were going to say that they married Jack, Jack Dempsey's sister. Uh, but uh, hey. they, they all dated her. Yeah, they all they dated. All dated her. They all dated her. Uh, and she said, come on, one of you guys got to get off. Oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. wait. But uh, anyway, on this day in boxing history, May 9th, in 1941, Billy Seuss wins a 15-round decision over Ken Overland uh, to win the world middleweight title. It took place at Madison Square Garden in New York City. On this day in 1930, young Jack Thompson, sounds like a, a name for a, a turkey. <laughs> young Jack Thompson wins a 15-round decision over Jackie uh, Fitzes, uh, I can't even read my, I, 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 you know what, I guess I'm gonna have to start, uh, um, yeah, Fitzes, uh, to win the world welterweight title in Detroit. On this day in 1970, Vincent Salvador, uh, wins a 15-round decision over Johnny Famicon, uh, to, Famicon to win the world featherweight title to place in Rome. On this day in 1892, Billy Pilmer knocks out Tommy Kelly, in the 10th round to win the World Bantamweight title in Brooklyn, New York. On this day in 1908, Stanley Ketchell knocks out Jack Twin Sullivan in the 20th round to win the vacant World Middleweight title uh, in uh, Coloma, California. And finally, on this day in 1992, Terrible Terry Norris knocks out Meldrick Taylor in the 4th round to retain his WBC World Junior Middleweight title, and that took place at the Mirage Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. I want to make one correction on the show. I think I misspoke uh, earlier today. The uh, views that Triple G got against the Vanna Smarty-Roshian fight was 1.4 million, uh, short of 1.5 million. I think I mistakenly mistakenly said 14 million, which is totally wrong. But uh, uh, anyway, so if you are already sent me an email correcting me, I I picked up on it, all right? But uh, listen... Uh, tomorrow, I got uh, that stuff to go over. We got a uh, possibility of, of uh, uh, some updates on the show in terms of uh, air times, all that stuff. Uh, but listen, the most important thing is make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. Da-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na